Hi everyone, this is Tyler Martin, the host of the Friction Factor Fitness Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to teaching busy people how to develop lifelong fitness habits and fit sustainable diet and exercise into their life. In today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about isolation strength training exercises and particularly whether or not you should include them in your strength training regimen. Now, as always, this podcast is oriented towards the busy person who wants to get the most bang for their buck in every workout while minimizing friction, which is the inefficient use of time and energy, and still be able to make amazing progress on their fitness goals. We'll talk about the general principles behind isolation exercises and when they may be appropriate for you. I'll also just give a spoiler right now that abdominal exercises are one of the isolation exercises that I do generally recommend for most people. So the back half of this podcast really goes into some depth on selecting and appropriately performing ab exercises in particular. So with all that said, let's jump right in. Okay, let's define what an isolation strength exercise really is. Isolation exercises are movements that only require the use of a single joint to perform. Exercises like the bicep curl or knee extension are good examples of isolation exercises. For instance, with the bicep curl, the only joint being used is the elbow joint, which allows a weighted bar or dumbbell to descend during the eccentric phase of the movement and allows the weight to be lifted back upwards during the concentric or contraction phase of the movement. Isolation exercises recruit a smaller number of muscle groups compared to compound exercises like a squat or a bench press, which utilize multiple joints all in one movement. For instance, with a leg squat, you primarily use the knee and hip joints during that movement. So with compound movements, you get the benefit of accomplishing a greater amount of muscular work in less time. So if you're an average person trying to improve your general health and fitness, is there a place for isolation exercises in your strength training routine? Well, if your goal is just to increase overall strength and mobility and improve lean muscle tissue, then the answer broadly is no, you don't need isolation exercises. But there are a few caveats that we'll get to. In general, there's no significant benefit to doing additional isolation exercises if your exercise routine already includes the main types of compound movements that hit all of the major muscle groups. So these would be some type of horizontal pushing motion like a chest press or a bench press, a horizontal pulling motion like some type of row, a vertical pushing motion like an overhead press or military press, a overhead pulling motion like a chin up or a pull down of some type, a hip dominant pull like a deadlift, and some type of quad dominant leg push like a traditional squat or a leg press machine. The main reason that I don't advise building a strength training regimen with isolation exercises is that doing this requires doing a lot more individual exercises than a compound exercise based routine. For instance, to replace a compound exercise like a squat or leg press 
requires doing multiple exercises. You'd have to at least do leg extensions and calf extensions, and you could argue that even more exercises would be needed to work all the same muscle groups that would be activated by just a single traditional squat. So if your workout routine is composed of isolation exercises, you'll end up having to spend at least twice as long, if not longer, to do the same amount of muscular work that's accomplished in a compound-centric routine. So the need to add significantly more exercises also makes preparation and execution much more difficult by creating a lot more friction in the exercise process. And by friction, which if you've listened to previous episodes, you know, is the inefficient use of time and energy. So just imagine instead of doing two to three exercises per workout, which is all that would be required with a compound-based routine, with isolation exercises, you'd have to do four to six exercises in order to accomplish the same amount of work. So this means not just a longer workout, but it means more time setting up each piece of equipment and changing all of the different weights and resistance. And this adds a significant amount of time to the length of the whole workout process. And if you work out at home, which is what I do recommend for most busy people, isolation exercises are probably gonna require buying a lot more equipment and weights, which is gonna, of course, add to the expense and is gonna take up significantly more space in your home gym area. So if you're a busy person trying to develop a consistent exercise habit, you need to make the exercise process as frictionless as possible, which means getting the most bang for your buck with the fewest exercises possible and in the least amount of time. So in general, a workout regimen that is fundamentally built on compound exercises will be your most time and energy efficient option. Many people wonder if doing abdominal or ab workouts is really necessary. First, it's important to understand that there are different schools of thought on this issue. Some trainers promote not doing any ab work at all because they believe that the abs are adequately worked during compound exercises, such as during a vertical pull-down, like a chin-up or resistance band pull-down, or during a squat or deadlift. But a strong case can be made for doing some type of abdominal exercise to strengthen your midsection muscles, which is important because these are the muscles that help stabilize your spine during all sorts of movement. I do recommend doing something for your abs, but it's important to take the right approach. A lot of people go overboard with ab exercises. You can do all kinds of exotic yoga poses or different Pilates movements or even many different types of planks that are popular. There are also all kinds of different ab machines and gadgets that claim to give a superior ab workout, but getting an effective ab workout doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, there was a study done in 2014 by the American Council on Exercise that examined many of today's popular ab exercises to see which ones actually work the best. 
And surprisingly, despite all of the novel options, the exercise that elicited the most ab muscle activation was just the good old fashioned ab crunch. The key to getting the maximum benefit from crunches is using proper technique and making sure the crunch is adequately challenging. The biggest thing to focus on when doing the crunch is to make sure that your lower back remains flat on the ground throughout the motion and that you're flexing the abdominal muscles during the motion. It's important to pause when you're at full contraction during the crunch and really focus on squeezing the ab muscles. You should hold the squeeze for about two seconds before returning back to the starting position to start your next repetition. The other thing that a lot of people get wrong with the crunch is that they put too much focus on training volume rather than intensity. You hear of people doing hundreds or even thousands of crunches to strengthen their core, but this is not how muscle strengthening actually works. To build stronger muscles of any type, you have to put the muscle under enough stress so that you can approach muscular failure in a relatively short amount of time. This usually happens somewhere between 30 and 90 seconds. This is why weight training is generally the best option for making any muscle stronger because it provides a challenging enough load for muscles to work against that is gonna bring them near to failure in a short amount of time, usually within six to 12 repetitions. This type of muscular stress engages the body's anaerobic energy system, which is the energy system that uses fuel stored directly in your muscles for energy and doesn't require any oxygen. Um, the reason that this happens is because the energy that you normally get from breathing and from blood flow isn't enough to do the work that's required. You can think of anaerobic exercise or the what happens within the anaerobic energy system like a bomb or a rocket going off. They use a lot of energy to produce a ton of force, but this all happens in a really short amount of time. They don't last very long. You can easily tell when you're doing anaerobic exercise properly because in a short period of time, you'll start to feel uh, the buildup of lactic acid. And as you approach um, muscle failure, that's the characteristic sign. You feel this burning sensation in your muscles. Um, if you ever hung from playground monkey bars as a kid for too long, you felt that burning sensation in your arms. Uh, that is the buildup of lactic acid. And that's a sign that you're engaged in an anaerobic type of activity. So this burning sensation is what creates the urge to stop the exercise. Just like any other muscle group, ab muscles need to be put under significant tension so that the anaerobic energy system is engaged and so the muscles can reach that point of approaching failure within a, a short 30 to 90 second window of time. That is why most strength training sets only contain somewhere between 6 and 12 repetitions when you're doing muscle strengthening. If you're doing hundreds or thousands of crunches, for instance, that lasts for several minutes or longer, when you're trying to work your abs, what you're actually doing is called steady state exercise. 
and not anaerobic or strength training exercise. So there may be some cardiovascular benefits to this, but the exercise is not intense enough to engage the anaerobic energy system, which is the only way that you're gonna make meaningful strength gains. So in other words, strengthening the abs requires short but challenging bouts of exercise, not long, steady state types of exercise that goes on for several minutes. So let's talk about how to make sure you're making the crunch challenging enough to actually build strength, which again, ultimately will help you with stability and protect your spine. So in the beginning, doing regular body weight crunches will probably be enough to provide adequate resistance for building some strength. But when you reach the point where you can easily do 15 or more crunches in a set, you're going to actually stop making strength progress unless you increase the challenge somehow. So I'll just mention a few good ways that you can do this at home. There are lots of ways that you could make the crunch more challenging. One thing you can do to make the crunch more challenging is to do weighted crunches by holding a pair of dumbbells uh, just above your head while you're doing the crunching motion. So you might start off with just holding two and a half or five pound dumbbells to increase the challenge of the crunch. This may not sound like a lot, but you'll be surprised at how holding just even a small amount of weight um, can really increase the difficulty of the standard crunch. You can also increase the challenge of the crunch by doing crunches on a weighted bench that are that's set in the decline position. You know, the only caveat with this is that the weight bench that you use for this does need to have some type of anchor for your feet to hold your feet in place while you're doing the crunch, which a lot of benches that you that you purchase for a home gym will have um, some kind of foot anchor. So, um, but if they don't. Uh, you can just divert to doing weighted crunches like I just talked about. So the type of crunch that's done on a decline bench is sometimes called a decline curl up. Um, and you can make them even more difficult by adding weight. So you can, you can make the curl up more difficult by holding a weight plate against your chest while you do the crunching motion, or you can hold a pair of dumbbells or a single dumbbell um, right at chest level while you're doing the crunch motion. So you get the point. Just like with any other strength training exercise, you need to continue to increase the resistance that you're working with um, as you get stronger. So when you reach the point where your last repetition um, of every set isn't challenging anymore and isn't bringing you near that point of muscular failure, that's telling you that, hey, you've gotten stronger and it's time to increase the resistance that you're working against or you're going to you're going to stop actually making strength progress. So that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Let's just quickly highlight a few of the key takeaways for you to consider um, in your own strength training regimen. We covered what isolation exercises are, which are single joint movements that recruit smaller amounts of muscle less muscle groups. These can be beneficial for isolating targeted areas, but relying on isolation exercises means that working all your major muscle groups will require doing significantly more exercises, which ultimately means you're going to double 
or even triple the length of every workout. So as a general rule, the busy person looking to get the most bang for their buck should really rely on compound or multi-joint movements to be the basis of their strength training routine. Exercises like the overhead press, the chin up, the bench press, the row, squat, deadlift, these exercises hit all the major muscle groups in the least amount of time. The one isolation exercise that I did recommend is doing some type of abdominal exercise. It's a good idea to do something to strengthen your ab muscles because they're really important for protecting and stabilizing you during movement and particularly protecting your spine. And surprisingly, the standard crunch will do more for your abs than just about any other option. And this is really good news for busy people um, that are working out at home because you can do a crunch, a basic crunch, just about anywhere. Now the key with the crunch, again, is doing it with proper technique and keeping them challenging. So the goal with the crunch should not be to do hundreds or thousands of crunches, that's not strength training. By the time you reach your 10th or your 12th repetition in any set, the difficulty should be very high. You should be very near to muscular failure. And when, when you're doing the regular crunch, when the crunch becomes too easy without weight or doing something additionally to, to make it more challenging, you can do multiple things to increase the, the resistance level. You can hold dumbbells above your head with a challenging weight, or uh, the other option we discussed was doing a decline curl up if you have the right equipment. So the real recipe to follow with ab exercises is to keep increasing the resistance as you become stronger. And this is ultimately the secret to success with any type of strength training. Thanks again for listening to the Friction Factor Fitness Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or found it valuable, please subscribe, please like, and please share with others who you think may find it helpful. Also, please check out my website, frictionfactorfitness.com, where you can access more content, access my free fitness calculator tool, and download a free teaser of the first three chapters of my new book, The Friction Factor, The Busy Person's Guide to Sustainable Diet and Exercise, which is launching in March of 2023 and is now available for pre-order. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for future episodes.